Technology has come a long way since the DVD player. Here's some examples. I want to just quiz you out. How many of you uh, in your household have at least one of these devices in your household? Okay, keep your hands up if you have at least two of these devices. Three uh, or four? Uh, How many of those with kids in school have multiple uh, versions of these? In fact, it seems like they're breeding like gremlins overnight, I'm sure. This is, this is the new normal. And technology and what it does has become pervasive because it's not just about the devices that are pervasive. It's about what the devices do. Here's an example, a little snapshot of some various social media and other sharing platforms, which, by the way, isn't an exhaustive list by any means. But, but here's some examples. And by the way, if you don't uh, appreciate the pervasiveness of technology, the fact of the matter is none of these icons have words on them, apart from the word tube. And, and yet, chances are you recognize some of these companies purely by looking at a little square with a little symbol or maybe a letter to give it away. Technology has become pervasive. Nobody's arguing with that. However, and by the way, we love technology, okay? I I said this on week one. Technology is great, except when it isn't. Pervasive, I'm okay with that. We'll use it, we'll leverage it. We are more productive, more effective than ever before through the effective use of technology. Pervasive is fine. Can we? I'm, I'm popping and, and whizzing here a bit there. Uh, can we just uh, back me off a little? Maybe I, I, I'm up to my seventh espresso that could partly explain it. Um, I don't mind technology being pervasive, but a more recent observation is technology is becoming, I think, invasive. Uh, the latest iteration of that is the smartwatch revolution, which Apple just uh, jumped in with this little device. And... Uh, one of its main, at the moment, one of its, the, the smartwatch main use cases is notifications. So if you're away from, or you have in your pocket your smartphone, your tablet, your, your, your notebook, your desktop, uh, you can actually get notifications popping up. Who's posted to Facebook? Who's posted to Twitter? Who's sending you a text message? Who's posted to Instagram? And so on and so forth in real time, and it's just there for you. This has been labeled the interruption economy that we've now, we're now living in. Um, I have a, a smartwatch um, that I use for training. It connects to my phone. It tracks GPS and heart rate and all sorts of other bits and pieces. Um, and it pushes through notifications. Now, I can turn that off or I can trim it down. So I've trimmed it down to just having text messages come through to tell me uh, in just in case anything important while I'm at training. Well, there's a bright side to this, okay? There's a bright side to this interruption economy. I was out... Um, Late last week, I was out running, doing a little uh, quick lap of the bridges. And um, the night before, I'd made this delicious mushroom soup. Delicious. And it was so delicious. Now, Louie was having dinner with her family. I was home doing the bachelor thing, cooking up some mushroom soup. This mushroom soup was so delicious that I took a little food porn shot and, and pitched it to Louie to say, sweetheart, you, you made a really bad decision tonight. Um, <laughs> But I made a big batch, that's what you do, uh, cook once, eat seven times, and um, knew that she would take it for, for uh, play lunch in the morning. So I was running the bridges, and I actually can remember, I have this little notification, and amore, that's what she is, means love in Italian, pops up on my little watch, amore says, uh, mushroom soup, delish, exclamation marks. I, oh, 
That's nice. I swipe that away. Keep on running. Get around to, to the uh, Elizabeth Key area. New notification pops up. Um, this is Alinta. Your gas bill's due tomorrow. Right. <sighs> so there's a bright side, but there's also a dark side to this interruption economy. Three years ago, um, I raced, uh, I've been doing it most years, racing the Ironman 70.3 in Bustleton. And uh, my parents had come down. Louis' parents had come down and my parents had come down, Team Marco. And uh, I'd finished the race. I was looking for a really good result that year and finished the race, um, got my gear. We went back to the villa that we were staying at and having a little uh, family lunch. And um, I had my iPad, had my iPhone, and now iPhone have a feature where you can use your iPhone as a personal hotspot. I'm not sure if Android have copied that feature yet. I'm sure they will if they haven't. Uh, it's just a matter of time. Um, and you can use that hotspot to act as sort of a modem to then be able to connect to the internet on your tablet. So I sat down at the, at the, at the lunch table wanting to see the results because with these races, you wear a computerized chip uh, around your wrist. There's timing mats that you cross throughout, throughout the race. And so it's all done automatically. And basically within about an hour of you finishing, you can see where you place. You don't have to wait, uh, you know, for the, for the medal ceremonies or for the, you know, whatever it is, snail mail to come. And so, um, we're having lunch and uh, I pulled out my little life. I find put on the hotspot, got my iPad out, started looking at, at, at the results. And my dad, my 81 year old dad just looked across the table and then he elbowed my mum. He didn't quite know what I was doing, but he knew, he knew I was looking for the results. And he said to, to my mum, honey, the world's just becoming too smart. And apparently that's something that my grandmother used to say to him when he was dating my mum. The world's becoming too smart with the, these wireless transistor radios that all these young people are carrying around. You know, I'm there at the lunch table having crossed the line less than two hours previously looking to see what, what I placed in the race. This is just normal. It's It's good. It, it, it's fun. The, the feature of the hotspot, it's called tethering. You tether your device to another device and so they can play well together in the sandbox. The problem is we've now become tethered to technology. And if we're not careful, it gets to a situation where we can't escape. I have a love-hate relationship with technology. I love it when it serves me. But I hate it when I feel like I'm starting to serve it. Technology can sometimes feel like a needy pet. In fact, let me give you a little warning. Next time you hear screams coming from your household toilet, it could be because of this type of scenario taking place in, with one member of your family. This is, this is a new... How many of you have actually experienced this? Come on. <laughs> Only Reese and I have the honesty to actually put our hands up. Tanya Watson preaches on authenticity last week. One week later, you're all a bunch of bluffers. There's a new uh, phenomenon come out because of this. Hashtag FOMO. Fear of missing out, that we are tethered to technology just in case someone posts something that we absolutely have to see because if we don't see it and like it and respond to it, the world will stop spinning on its axis. FOMO. Well, get this. 
psychology have actually, psychologists have actually released a new disorder based around technology called nomophobia. Nomophobia. Which is a condition, nomophobia, where people have a fear of having no mobile coverage. Nomophobia. Paul, one of the early church heavyweights, wrote to a group, a church in a place called Corinth. One of the big ideas we've been pushing in this series, Struggles, is really the stuff we're talking about is not actually about technology. The essence of the topics we've covered, authenticity, compassion, relationships, these are not issues to do with technology. They're issues of the human heart and they're not new issues. Technology, however, has, has, has caused them to become complicated in, in new ways, but they're not new issues. And that's why we can look back to the timeless truth of God's word and find answers for our struggles, find guidance, find direction. What's God's true north? Well, Paul wrote to a church in Corinth, and this is what he said, and this applies to us in our pervasive interruption economy, technologically FOMO, nomophobic world. I have, this is what Paul wrote, I have the right to do anything, you say, but, you know, don't forget, not everything is beneficial, a little bit of wisdom right there. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. It's a really important distinction. We have the right to do anything. We can be connected to technology, but, but be careful that you don't get mastered by anything. Technology, like money, is a great servant, but a horrible master. We need to understand that. We need, that's true north. Right now, some of you, if uh, you haven't been around the last two weeks, there's a little brochure near you with the big titles, Think Big. And this, I, this you, you take it and have a read. We've been presented with the opportunity to purchase the, the adjoining property just alongside our front Kuyong Road car park. And in doing so, that'll secure us what uh, one of our, our crew, Paul Magiatis, re- refers to as a super lot, something that will give us the opportunity into the future to, to develop uh, f- various ways. We, we don't even know what yet, but we, we know that that's a strategic puzzle piece for a strategic footprint in our local community. And so that's going to require a million bucks. It's going to require a bank lending us a million bucks because I don't have and we don't have a million bucks just sitting uh, gathering cobwebs anywhere. And so, and, and, and if you look at our profit and loss statement as a church, um, to be able to service a loan for a million bucks, even interest only, will be a substantial stretch for us. I mean, our board, when we were looking at this and considering, should we even make an offer on this? That was the only question. We, no brainer. The property's there. It's a no brainer. We, we've got a good footprint. We can put this beautiful note, but, but can we pay it? We, 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 we want to make sure we're people of faith that take risks, but not be people of stupidity that get reckless and put ourselves under so much financial burden that even God can't kind of help us out, if you know what I'm saying. That, those were all questions. We took them very, very seriously. But we got to the point where we said, you know what? It's going to take a bit more faith. It's going to take a bit more sacrifice, but we think we can do it. Well, we convinced ourselves of that. 
And we made the offer and there were two other offers presented and the owner took our offer ahead of the other two, which is fantastic. Um, However, we've got 45 days from when the offer was accepted to actually have it all signed, sealed and delivered. And the, 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 uh, those of you that have bought real estate know you can put a little clause in subject to finance approval, meaning in our case, subject to finding a bank uh, wise enough with enough foresight and vision to lend us a million bucks, even though right now it doesn't appear that we could pay them back. And uh, that's not a miracle that's too big for God. And so immediately I knew that this required us to have to step up as a church for 40 days and pray and fast. And so we started that uh, two weeks ago. And uh, look, first of all, I just can say I've been overwhelmed as a senior leader here at Elevate, overwhelmed by the buy-in, the ownership that Pete was talking about before from you guys, the galvanizing effect that this is having. People texting me, emailing me, pinging me, leave me alone. No, I'm just kidding. This is the good stuff. Uh, about, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fasting from this and I'll be praying about that. And, you know, we're sending out a little uh, devotional every few days just to keep us oriented and pressing into God more. Um, fantastic. Uh, I've been working uh, with our accountants and our finance broker and the settlement agent and the, sell- the selling agent. And we're getting all the application ready to put to the bank. We'll be putting that application, if all goes to plan, putting that application. This will save me giving you a phone call back too, Maggie. Uh, Leave me alone. Um, uh, we should be submitting our application for the loan this week. Okay, all the, all the paperwork's been uh, done. And uh, so it's a good time to keep praying. Peeps? Yes? In? And fasting? And, uh, and uh, we've done cash flow projections. We actually are uh, reasonably confident we can service the loan. In fact, I shared this with our team members uh, this morning when we were praying, um, <laughs> I've just been thinking, since we put this offer in and we're preparing for this finance application, some of you have heard me say this many times, great things happen when preparation meets opportunity. And uh, that property just came on the market. We, we'd been eyeballing it for, for, for a long time, but we didn't know when it would come on the market. It came on the market on the Friday. We put the offer in uh, mid the following week. So it, it would seem that we weren't very prepared. You know, we went at this from a standing start. All of a sudden, bam, we have to get, you know, uh, talking about finance and getting the board together and, and working with uh, finance uh, brokers. And we got Paul in who works in property development. And we had to do that from a standing start. It looked like we weren't prepared to take advantage of this opportunity. But here's the thing. In the months leading up to this house coming on the market, we'd been teaching on Giving. We've been teaching on consider the source, that God is the source. We've been teaching on multiply, that, that what we keep is all that we have, but what we give to God, he can multiply. We've been teaching on that. And guess what? Here's a funny thing. As we've been teaching God's word consistently in the months leading up to ultimately, without knowing that property was going to come on the market, we'd been teaching. God had been speaking. Okay, that's the easy bit. You guys had been listening. That's cool. And even better than that, more and more of you had been responding. And I can tell you this because our giving, see, we don't, our income source as a church is not from hookers and cocaine. Our income source as a church is from giving. It's, it's weird. It's nonsensical. Giving, giving. And uh, I can say that over the last few months, Thank God our giving has been creeping up 
incrementally. And I, and I can tell you because of two things. Number one, some of you that were already giving have been taking steps of faith to increase your giving. Phenomenal. God's been blessing you. Phenomenal. And many of you have taken first next steps into giving. And so what that translates into is that we don't even need to consider hookers and cocaine. We can actually keep going with God's plan, which is people giving. So uh, be, 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 be praying this week about our finance application. But I said all that, apart from just bringing you up to speed, here's the thing about fasting. I have the right to drink coffee, but I will not be mastered by anything. That's for those of you that are fasting from coffee. I have the right to have a glass of wine, but I will not be mastered by anything. For those of you like me who are not drinking booze in this 40-day period. It's this one of the benefits of fasting, one of the benefits of fasting is reminding us and God that whilst maybe the thing it's not bad, uh, you know, I have the right to drink, I mean to eat chocolate, but I will not be mastered by anything. Really important benefit from fasting. Now, I'm actually, this morning, the big idea of finishing this series on struggles, teaching about rest. That's what I want to focus on for the rest of this message. Interestingly, thinking about it in the run-up to today, we wouldn't have preached a message on technology and rest probably maybe not 10 years ago. This is like a, this is a current topic, the, the, the need for rest as it relates to technology. Now, I know for some of you, this is a non-issue. And yes, you know who you are. And yes, I know who you are. You're the people that don't respond to my emails and texts within five minutes. Shame on you, Luddites. This idea of technology and rest, it's not a struggle for you. And look, I'm willing to concede that. Good on you. Well done. Uh, whatever. But remember that this is not just about technology. That actually God's heartbeat and how he's hardwired and created us is to enjoy frequent rest. And therefore it, it applies to all of us. Let me get a little bit sciencey for a moment, shall we? Our nervous system, uh, one, one way we can look at and describe our, and our nervous system or branches of our nervous system is that we have a sympathetic nervous system and we have a parasympathetic nervous system. Now, you might never have heard those two terms, sympathetic nervous system, parasympathetic nervous system, but what you may have heard and, and, and a bit more sort of commonly put, our, our sympathetic nervous system is otherwise known as our fight or flight response. You heard of, heard of that? The fight, or, the fight or flight response is a survival instinct. It's a survival uh, reaction that, that God has hardwired into us. And, and this fight or flight response was incredibly beneficial when you were being chased by a woolly mammoth. It was incredibly beneficial when a mastodon was poking its, its horns into your cave. That, that, that you would sense danger and, and your sympathetic nervous system switch would get flicked on and you would do whatever it took to survive. You would fight or flight. That's our sympathetic nervous system. It's designed for short bursts of, of energy where actually everything in our body is channeled to us 
going faster in a, in, a, in, a, in a very short space of time. Our heart, re- our heart rate goes up. We get an injection of adrenaline. We, we have no thoughts of hunger. Uh, we have no thoughts of, of uh, holidays in the Bahamas. The only thing at that very moment in time when we face this sort of danger, our bodies automatically, our, our sympathetic nervous system is switched on and we either fight or flight. I know this is true from, from personal experience. Yesterday, I was running down around Matilda Bay area along the foreshore there, beautiful Australia 2 drive near there. And, uh, and there's, a, there's a bush beside the, the running track. And, uh, and I heard a bit of rustling as I was approaching it. And then poof, out of the bushes jumped this creature and, and my sympathetic nervous system got automatically switched on. And, I, and, and, I, and it just, you just start sprinting. You know, and this stupid little seven inch tall black poodle runs around the back behind me. But my sympathetic nervous system didn't know that this was not a woolly mammoth. Okay. And by the way, I then spotted the owners of this woolly poodle off its leash and I communicated them in a way that only adults do. And I'm just checking to make sure they're not here this morning. (laughs) I recognize you. You're that guy that swore at me. Yep. So we have a a sympathetic nervous system designed for short bursts of of energy in in acute situations of danger. Then we have, that's to be switched off once the danger's over or you're dead. That's to be switched off. If you're not dead, That's, if you've survived, you've either won the fight or you've gotten away from the danger, then the sympathetic nervous system is designed to be switched off and our parasympathetic nervous system, para means alongside, our parasympathetic nervous system is meant to then be switched on. Our parasympathetic nervous system, it doesn't get much publicity. Chances are some of you, not because you're stupid, just it doesn't get much publicity, you haven't heard of it. In fact, it, our sympathetic nervous system is often known as our fight or flight response. Our parasympathetic sympathetic nervous system is often known as our rest and digest response. And we've heard of the fight or flight. We haven't even sometimes heard the, the rest or digest. But, but, but it's critical. And it is exactly what it sounds like. Once you've survived, you've won the fight, you've run away, whatever it is, you've found a new cave, there's no woolly man with that at the door, you then rest and digest. And it's meant to be the majority of what we do. Stress has always meant to be acute. However, in 2015, some of you know this to be true, stress has moved from being acute, short-term, infrequent bursts to become chronic, normal, 24-7, 365. We've lost the ability to shut down. And I'm going to explain why that is. Thanks to Lego, everything is awesome. With all due respect, this is your life. This, this, what they call a base block, this platform, this is your life. At any point in time, this is your life, this is my life. This is the absolute sum total of how many hours you have in a day. Because guess what? 
We've all got the same amount of hours in a day. All of us. You, me, Bill Gates, we've all got the same. 24. This is it. This is the amount of time we have. This is the amount of emotional energy we have. This is the amount of health we have. This is, this is the amount of resources we have. At any point in time, this base block reflects yours and my capacity, current capacity at any point in time. It may grow in time. You won't get more hours in your day, but there may be some things. You may get more resources. It may grow. But the point is, at any point in time, we have a finite, at that point in time, a finite capacity. This is it. So this is what we do in 2015. Our life. Well, we get married. Married's a big block. We'll give it a big block. Uh, we get a job. Jobs are good. Get a job. So, you know, we're off. Hi-ho, hi-ho. We're off to work we go. Eight, ten hours a, a day. Um, we, we, we get a mortgage. So, so we've got to make sure we've got the resources to pay our mortgage. Um, oops. We had a kid. Not sure how that happened, but it did. All right. We had a kid. Um, Oh, dang, now we've got to feed it and wipe its bottom. All right, so we discovered there's a whole aisle in the supermarket dedicated to nappies and stuff. Didn't notice that before. And uh, so we put extra blocks on our shopping list. Uh, Then the kid starts going to school. So we become mum's taxi, dad's taxi, whatever it is. We have to find money for school fees, fetching junior to school and back. Junior decides, you know what? I want to learn an instrument. So we now have to find a piano teacher, uh, guitar teacher. What instruments do we need, Jared? Just want to think ahead here. <laughs> okay, that's actually Jared's and my dirty little joke. Let's hope it stays that way. Uh, then Junior wants to take up a sport. So, so we've got to then take Junior to sport. Uh, we decide that... Uh, We've got a health issue, so now we've got to factor in doctor's visits, and we, we, we get our first, uh, our first uh, iPhone, so we, we, have to, uh, we have to, you know, and then, and then uh, what, or we get a laptop, and then we join Facebook, and the end of the world is nigh, and then, and then we join Instagram uh, and Twitter, and, and then we buy an Apple Watch and, and, and find out if Mark's got nice mushroom soup while you're running instead of just being out there running and and then and then like like I don't know how did it get to that it just seemed like yesterday I just had this nice clean simple life and dang nabbit is ugly (laughs) Baden Baden this is not a time for your personal counseling session okay and speaking from personal experience, that will cost you. <laughs> we layer and layer and layer and layer and layer and layer. Hashtag FOMO. And I have to ask the question, whilst seasons of life can call for us to have to hustle, They are meant to be seasons, acute seasons of fight or flight, sure. But I'm not sure that's God's best for that to become life, for that to become normal. 
I use the word sustainable. Is there a pattern that God's laid out, even in 2015, where we absolutely have to do everything? Is there a pattern where this doesn't look like our life, where we can actually can, can walk with God and, and have Him help us design a sustainable life? Because here's what I see. Well, people, well, I'm so busy. I'm so you know, busy. The new badge of honor. How are you? Oh, I'm so busy. You know, we talk, we talk with Reese and Jess. If you tell someone you sleep eight hours a night, they look at you like you're weak. Huh. I, I'm three. Well, it sucks to be you, mate, because I got a really nice bed. I just bought some new winter jammies and I'm in there for eight hours a day, man. Like, well, it's you that's got the FOMO, mate, not me. Um, but, but, but I hear that oh, I'm so busy and I'm so stressed and, I, and, and, and yet, you know, not all of this, we have the right to do anything. But are we becoming mastered by some of these things? That's the question. And I tend to see it, like, look, look at it like the person who puts on a blindfold and then walks around complaining that they can't see anything. Like, who did this to you? Well, actually, if it's, if it's chronic, it, it may be you that put the blindfold on and are now walking around complaining you can't see. The writer of Hebrews had something to say about this. This is the good news. This is the good news part. Ready for some good news? Hey, smiley face emoticon. <laughs> yeah, all right. Here it is. So there's a special rest waiting for the people of God. That's got to be some of the best news some of you have heard all week. There's a special rest waiting for the people of God. Problem is, it's waiting for you. And the challenge is for you to go get it. Well, stay with me here. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. God created the world in six days. In the seventh day, he didn't start again. He rested. There's a reason for that. So let us do our best to enter that rest, the rest that's waiting for us. It's there. It's been promised. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will Fall. So here's my big takeaway from this morning. Do your best to enter that rest. Yes, there's seasons where you will be strung out. It happens. But do your best to enter that rest. Week before last, I, I, had, I had booked a week of annual leave. You know, we book ahead and make sure we've got everything planned and, and, and set when one of our, our paid team members is on leave. So I took a, had scheduled a week off. And then this stupid flipping house next door came on the market. And uh, currently I'm our CFO and COO, so I had to get busy preparing our stuff and the stuff I talked about before. So, you know, this, was, this, was, this, was, this just happened just the week as I was going on leave. So I didn't, you know, leave. The word leave means leave, but I didn't get to leave. I hadn't left. And uh, I was dealing with the property manager, the, the property um, uh, agent and blah, 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 blah. And uh, the thing about uh, uh, annual leave these days, see, if you worked, you know, in the industrial age, if you worked in a factory setting or if you work in an office setting, people knew you were on leave when you didn't show up. Oh, where's Jack? He's not here. He hasn't been here for three days. Must be on leave. All right. 
now I, I work I, I work free range. I, I'm based out of my office at home, a coffee shop, occasionally swing by here. So, so no one knows, you know, I'm like the Scarlet Pimpernel. No one knows where, if I'm working or not. And, and so there's no way of telling. Now, you put an out of office reply on your email, right? But, but you can't put that on your phone and on your, uh, well, you can probably, but who's got the time for that? And so, so, so people don't know that you're, that you're on leave because they don't, because it's nowadays in some settings, being on leave doesn't require physically leaving. People ask, well, are you going on holidays? It shouldn't matter. Don't call me. But you, but you're in Perth. So, and I've got this out of, I mean, I have this out of office reply, you know, someone sends an email and they get this reply. Oh, I'm on leave. For, you know. So the, the selling agent, he sent me an email. He gets the reply saying I'm on leave. So then he calls me. Oh, I saw you're on leave. You went checking email, so I thought I'd call you. <laughs> Don't call me. And uh, we we launched Think Big, and so we were getting the devotionals ready there and getting things set. And so, and so it's like, oh, this thing's going to scuttle my leave. And I hadn't taken a, a break for about seven months uh, prior to that, and I was pretty strung out. But it had to happen. You know, I can't just say to to the to the you know the financial people, look. Leave me alone, I'll get back to you when I'm good and ready. No, the wheels have to start turning. But th- I'm just giving you an example. What I did is I committed that I would work from 10 to 12 each day. That's it. For the five days that I was on leave, 10 to 12. At 10 o'clock, I'd go on, push out my emails, get things moving through the pipeline. We had to put business plans together and cash flow projections and make calls. 10 to 12, and then at 12, so I train in the morning, work from 10 to 12, 12 o'clock, handbrake on, Done did my best to enter that rest. And you might have examples where you can't have it all your own way. We'll just ship the kids, we'll just ship the kids off to Antarctica for a couple of weeks so we can have, well, yeah, okay, it's probably not practical and not necessarily even legal. But, 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 what, but what's, what, what, is, what is an example? How, how might that work in your life? I remember a few years ago, uh, we were holidaying in Sydney and we got on the ferry from Circular Key to Manly, kind of uh, uh, iconic kind of little thing to do. And uh, we're sitting next to this uh, gentleman, tweed jacket, briefcase, tie, this and that. And, and it just looked like a really interesting cat. So I, uh, uncharacteristically, I engaged him in conversation. And I said, oh, you know, what are you up to? It's the middle of the day. He says, oh, I'm, I'm a lawyer in uh, Sydney, in the, in the CBD. And every day, for my lunch break, I get on the Manly Ferry and I just take the ferry across to Manly and then just come straight back. He goes, but for while, while I'm on this ferry, I'm detached from everyone and everything. If I, had, if I took my lunch break in the office or in the city, I wouldn't, it, it wouldn't recreate me. It wouldn't refresh me. I, I, never, I never forget that. Bloody genius, mate. Well done. So for me... This topic is, is really close to home. Uh, some of you know I'm a recovering workaholic. And uh, a number of years ago, I worked consistently 80 hours a week, which is uh, doable, uh, but not beneficial. And uh, it's meant to be maybe an acute thing, fight or flight, fight, work hard, work hard, work hard for a season. But when something lasts five years, it's probably suggesting it's no longer a season, but a lifestyle. And uh, things started to uh, unravel in my world and my health and so on and so forth. So I had to become a student of what it means to do my best to enter that rest. Someone got in my grill. I said, this, you know, you're working hard. You're working for the kingdom. You're working for the church. You're, but, but actually, you're, you, this is not God's pattern for how you're meant to do that. 
So, you, so he staged an intervention with me, which was great. Uh, but it was left to me to do the homework. What, what, what did it look like for me to do my best to enter that rest? So I'm just going to finish real quickly by sharing a couple of things that I've learned about myself. They might not be examples that will work for you. I'm not, I'm not prescribing these. I'm describing these. But I've, I've just framed them into three big rocks that have, that have become anchors for my new, rejuvenated, uh, far more sustainable self um, that hopefully will help you today. Uh, things that work for me. Number one is I regularly detox. And, and, and here's the thing. You say, well, detox from what? Well, well that's, that's not for me to answer for you. It's, it's, it's detox for you, whatever it is that you can't seem to get away from that causes you to not live in acute bursts of stress, but in chronic bursts of stress. How, how might you regularly detox? Okay, for me, in this tech world, is I don't, uh, do screen time after sundown. That's it. I don't do screen time after sundown. I, I have an iPad. I have an iPhone. I have a, a notebook. After sundown, they're all packed away, switched off. You, you, won't, you won't get me. I literally go on a blackout after the sun goes on a blackout. Um, there is two reasons for that. Uh, there's a biological reason is actually the blue light emission from devices actually blocks our melatonin. Our melatonin is the hormone that helps us fall asleep. So if you uh, struggle to fall asleep or you have some disruptive sleep patterns, maybe you want to think about doing the same if that's your story. Certainly was my story. Terrible sleeper. Uh, but actually, there's the, there's the, the cognitive side. Is, uh, my brain has two speeds. Uh, zero and a hundred. That's it. There's no gray zone. And it's either off or on. And, and I had to realize that about myself, that, it, that unless I completely switched off, I was always on. And so for me, that's become this detox has become, it's one example of how I detox and I detox daily. Okay. Maybe you, there's something that you need to detox from. Second thing was movement. Okay. During this uh, highly robust period of working uh, long hours. Uh, I, I uh, clocked in on the scales at a very uh, healthy, the Italians might describe, healthy uh, 97 kilos. And uh, that was a lot for me. I, I was starting to become as wide as I was high. And, uh, you know, it's not about looking good naked. I don't care if you do or don't. I'm never going to see your cash and prizes in the flesh and you're not going to see mine. So it's not about that. But it is about health. And there's a health component. See, see, one of the things that we need to understand is God created everything, okay? When we talk about biology, we're actually talking about theology. When we're talking about psychology, we're actually talking about theology because God created it all. Well, we have this, this, this human body, this human system. We don't have, often hear it described as a system. We hear, we hear about our cardiovascular system. We hear about our respiratory system. We hear about our neurological system. We hear about our musculoskeletal system. Well, those are all subsystems of one entire system. And here's the thing. Those systems don't work in isolation. When one's broken, it has a cascade effect onto the others. Okay? So if you're living in chronic stress, and that's having implications on your physical health, it will ultimately cascade to have implications on things like relational health, uh, mental health, you know, people with anxiety issues and so on and so forth. That often starts further up the chain. 
with some physical issues and so on. So I had to, I had to get that for myself and make movement a regular part of my life. When, when we worked 80 hours a week uh, plowing the fields, building the stone walls, th- those people would have to make sitting doing nothing a regular part of their day. But we sit for long parts of our day. And so the antidote is to make movement a regular part of our day. See, the, the Sabbath still is, is, is important. The, the idea that we work and then we rest is still important, but the, but the how we do that has completely flipped around in the 21st century. When we work the field six days a week, day seven was sit and rest and digest. But when we're sitting six days a week, day seven needs to be get up and get moving because there's a physical thing. But I would say do it regularly, and that's what I had to do. Now, I do triathlon. I do not recommend you do triathlon. Triathlon's for idiots. It's insane. It's not healthy. But move. Movement's not a chore. Movement's a gift. And you'll, and you'll appreciate that when you can no longer move. That's, that's not me being a smart ass. That's actually true, right? And actually, we have some control over how long that time will take to arrive where we can no longer move Move it or lose it. True. So I had to detox. I had to move. And, and, and let me just say one more thing about that. There's a, there's a myth that when you're tired, when we're, when we're, when we're, when we're strung out, when we're, when we're living this unsustainable lifestyle, that, that the, the, the only thing we need is, is, is physical relaxation. That me and the couch and Netflix, we're going to get this thing sorted, the three of us. And... And actually, that's not the whole story. Because God created this principle called the law of the harvest, or we might sometimes call it the law of sowing and reaping, that literally we reap what we sow. So tomato seeds get tomatoes, not lettuce. We, we, we get that, right? Sow relaxation, right? If we were to sow relaxation, we won't reap energy. Because we didn't sow energy, we sowed relaxation. So we'll reap relaxation. There's a part of that. But here's the thing. If we want to reap energy, do you know what you need to sow? Energy. And, 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 and a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people misunderstand that. They think the couch and Netflix is going to reap energy. No, it'll reap relaxation, but it won't reap energy. The only thing that will reap energy is sowing energy. So I had to get that clear and start moving regularly. Step away from the office. And then the third thing is detach. There has to be, and this was for me, there has to be times, it it might not be practical every day, but there has to be a, a, a time at least every week where you will not find me. You won't contact me. You'll, you'll try, and that's okay, but, but I will have managed things. I won't have my smartwatch on. I won't have my phone in my back pocket. I won't have my, uh, you know, iPad, you know, some, I don't know if they've even invented something where you can hang an iPad from your forehead. Stewie, there's a business idea. Um, they have, actually. You can lie in bed and you have it, and it so you can read while you're lying on your back. Quite ridiculous. Um, when you go to bed... There's only two things you should be doing, and one of them, it's only if you're married. 
um, detach. Now, for me, I, I, I got into kitchen gardening. I got into growing stuff that you can eat. And when, I, and, and when I'm in my kitchen garden, I don't have any tech with me. I don't have any people with me. And uh, that's my thing. And, and I would say the same for everyone. There's actually a piece of us that's designed to just go off the grid regularly. Take your shoes off, go for a walk in the park. Leave your phone at home, you know, just go and sit on the beach. Um, sit, on, sit on the beach for no reason than to just sit on the beach. That messes with the pragmatists. Well, it shouldn't. I'm a pragmatist. I take blackouts for the pure purpose of taking blackouts. <laughs> well, actually, for the purpose of living a sustainable life. So, look, I don't know. Just hopefully those are some helpful tips and tricks. Detox, move and detach, whatever that looks like for you. We need to rest. Do our best to enter that rest. Hey, one more question. I've gone over time. Thanks for indulging me with that last uh, role of our struggles series. I wanted to get my money's worth out of the Duplo um, before I take it home and take up a new hobby. One more question is, uh, is the question and the most important question we ask every week is whether you're following Jesus yet. And if you're not yet following him, uh, we're going to give you an opportunity right now to start following him, to make a decision to say to Jesus, and the reason, the reason we do all what, that we do, and we're not looking to start another club, another group, another anything. We're, we're looking to introduce people to Jesus and uh, help them follow him like we're following him. So if you've never actually made a decision to follow Jesus, right now we're going to give you that opportunity. So just in a moment, for those of you that haven't actually said, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you, I, wanna, I want you to put your hand up in a moment. When you put your hand up, that's, that's what you're doing. You're saying, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. And when I see your hand, you can put it down. Then we're going to quickly pray. And then we're done. So just as I'm looking around our auditorium, if you've not ever made that decision to follow Jesus, just slip your hand up now. And then when I see your hand, you can put it down and then we'll quickly pray.